Christmas time and what better way to spend the holiday season than learning how to lead other leaders. I hope you're ready. I hope you're ready. Let's go. Coming to you live from the good land, it is your boy Tyler Richardson. Welcome to the Christmas season. I hope it's treating you well. Uh, I wanted to take a few moments on today's podcast. Uh, In the middle of all the craziness, you're probably either just getting done with Christmas productions or getting ready to do them, or you're in the middle of Christmas office parties and, and all the craziness that even outside of your own family, outside of your own household, there's so many things on the externals right now in this season we have to worry about and uh, take ownership of. So I think in those seasons, uh, all the more things that get on your nerves are elevated and magnified and all the people that you really wish would just disappear, never leave, uh, Home Alone style, uh, this would be the time that they would do that. And so I thought it was the perfect opportunity to talk about something that I call ministry etiquette, okay? This one, we're going to be a little bit more ministry faceted uh, than usual. Usually I try to keep it kind of even keel where it could approach you know, every different leadership things that aren't necessarily in a church quote-unquote environment. Uh, But for this one, uh, because, you know, uh, Jesus is the reason, why not deal with Jesus' people? So uh, what I mean by ministry etiquette is this. Basically, it can all be summed down to this statement. Know your space and know your place. All right? That's basically ministry etiquette. If if you could, you know, whittle it all down to one common core element, what is it? It's that we know the space and we know our place, period. Uh, so uh, there's obviously tons of examples that could go a million different ways. I'm going to give you a few. Uh, but I think if you put everything under the umbrella of knowing your place and knowing your space, uh, you'll find that it's pretty, it's really, really easy to come up with examples in yourself. And, you know, like most of us, it's, you know, we can find 100 with other people, probably only 1.7 with ourselves, but that's the fun of the journey. So, uh, basically, I think a lot of it is is learning how, I think with knowing your space part, I think a lot of that is, uh, to me, I, I made a statement a long time ago, and I've, I've stood by it ever since. Uh, it's one of the only, probably, statements that once I said it when I was younger, I actually still stand by it. Most of them I threw away. But uh, to me, a worship leader, for example, uh, to me, a, the only way you're a good worship leader is if you can lead worship everywhere. Okay? So if you're really into Bethel, uh, and you can only lead worship in Bethel-type circles, to me, you're not a good worship leader. You're a good Bethel worship leader, and there's nothing wrong with that. Uh, but to me, a good worship leader is somebody who can walk into any denomination, any age group, any uh, you know demographic, anything. They can walk into any situation with any time constraint or the lack thereof, with any song selection. Uh, it could be hymns. It could be something, you know, 90s or it could be you know young and free whatever it is you can step into any seat any space and you can appropriately be who you are but also lead worship in that moment and that's very 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 difficult to do Uh, because usually people just like what they like so they want to lead what they like and you know if you're somebody who wants to lead what you like you probably want to be 
in a church or leading a congregation or what have you that also likes that thing. So that way nobody complains that we've sang the same song a million times because it's the only song we listen to in our car. And when the new album comes out, that's all we listen to. So that's all we're going to lead and that's all we're going to sing. And it just kind of keeps the bump in the road really soft. But if you want to really broaden the spectrum of what God has you to do in worship leading, you have to be able to lead worship everywhere. So that means you, your i, uh, your you know, your music catalog has to be more dense than just your hot, you know, one hundred worship tunes. And you've got to be able to listen to people not your age that don't like the things you like and figure out the angle of why they like what they like and how you can adapt yourself to meet that so that they can experience God through you instead of being like, uh, you know, that's not really what I do, but my cousin Edward, like he really, he's really into that. So maybe he could do that because he's more of the gospel. I don't really do gospel. It's just not my thing. So you need to call Eddie. Uh, and that's just usually, that's possible, but I think we really cut ourselves off from what is capable in our own lives, and we sell our own selves short on us. And I think uh, knowing your space is just a piece of that. I think that's just a small example of a bigger picture that if it's, you know, if it's preaching or if it's, you know, uh, discipleship, if it's small groups, whatever, everything's the exact same place. You got to you gotta know your space that you're into, and then you got to know your place in that space. Uh, you got to know why you're there. Have you been brought in because they want something different? You know, have you been brought in because there's a, you know, there's a hole in this situation and we really need to fix it and we don't really know what's going on, but we got to keep the ship moving. So we just need somebody to keep the ball rolling. Can you adapt in that moment to where they are and what they need and push them forward? If you know what I'm saying, knowing your space, knowing your place. Are you there to bring change? Are you there to just kind of keep it steady while somebody else is coming in three months? And so you just need to make sure that people don't leave and hate each other in the meantime. You know, it, there's so many different elements of it. And um, I think it just, it, you know, everything from pay, you know, if you're a church that pays people or if you're somebody being paid, I think that also is tricky. You know, when you blend the volunteer world with like the paid contractor world, you know, how does that work? And um, you know, how do you accurately pay somebody who gives so much of their time and lugs their equipment around and, and then also being like, this isn't a paid gig. Like, how do you balance that? We'll have another podcast in the future that really kind of balances that out. So I don't really fo want to focus too much on this one, but it's basically just understanding that really appreciation for, uh, appreciation for everyone. I think that's real ministry etiquette. Uh, you know, if you're on a worship team, uh, I've seen a lot of people who, uh, if they decide they want to do more of a flow side of things, usually what they'll do is um, they'll be like, okay, you sing some, and then I'll sing some, and then uh, Sharon, you sing some, and then we'll all kind of like jump in together. And I think what happens is, is we just, we don't practice it, and then we just get on stage on Sunday morning or Wednesday night or whatever, and we just, you know, roll the dice. Let's just see what happens. And I think in all different ministry facets, we, we need to be able to do a lot less rolling the dice. Or if nothing else, let's roll the dice in a rehearsal type atmosphere where it's safe. Um, because if, if you've never done it, uh, you're either going to be really quiet or really confident. And I think when you're really quiet, people think you don't care and you 
or you're maybe you're not gifted in this and so we're gonna leave you out and then when you're really confident everybody's like wow we should not have invited Sharon and it, you know what I'm saying it just it gets really tricky and then they think that they're dealing with arrogance and so now we have to sit you off the platform for six months while you deal with your root of arrogance that Satan has planted you know all that stuff so if if you do it in a safe place of a rehearsal type atmosphere where somebody the the main worship leader or maybe the pastor comes or whoever and everybody comes together with the band everybody and says this is a safe place we're just trying this out this is where we want to go as a church or maybe this is where we want to go as a worship band or maybe as a youth group you feel a shift to a different type of musical styling that you don't feel like is really what you're naturally gifted at and you want to push to that make a safe place where we just make it an open conversation i think that that saves everybody even though people will still be quiet and still be confident it leaves a space now where we can talk about it instead of you know we did it on sunday and it was a train wreck and so now we're embarrassed and so now we just forget it we won't do that again or now we have to have secret private meetings instead of it's just a safe environment where we just try i one of my favorite bands I was watching a YouTube video and the lead singer was talking about uh, friends he had or stories he had heard of people who dealt with suicide. He made the most interesting statement. He said, um, he said, if you feel like you just can't go on anymore, try. If you just feel like you, you're at the end of your rope and there's nothing else, you have no other options and you just feel like you're just completely kaput, you're just done. All I would ask you to do is try. And I think that's, I think there's so much wisdom in that. And I think for us, it's just an environment of ministry etiquette. Just try. Try to not be the, you know, if, if you feel like maybe you're more of a flowy type of church, uh, if, if, if somebody is, that is trying to take their first step into learning how to flow and worship or whatever, if it feels like it's going off kilter, don't feel so much pressure to jump in and save the moment again that's what happens when we try to do things in public without doing them in a rehearsal atmosphere that's safe you feel like you have to save it and then the person that was honestly trying and even though they may have not been succeeding the way they thought they were or the way they wanted to um you don't want to make uh something like ministry a place where it's like a do or die type of thing and I think so often that's what we do because we feel like there's pressure and we feel like you know if it's if it's not as quote unquote excellent meaning flawless uh, then then we failed and I think we need to remove the idea of the necessity of flawlessness and we just need it more and really just uh, allow everybody the ability and the space to try so you got to know your space you got to know your place you got to try um, and all that stuff really takes time. And I think one thing I've learned is uh, there's a natural aspect of things that take time. And then there's us taking our time that makes what naturally takes time take all the more time. Does that make sense? There's a natural pace of the congregation getting it, the staff getting it, all that kind of stuff. That is what takes time. Us taking our time to be intentional, to to keep a space open, to keep our attitudes in check, to not try and, well, you know, I know that so-and-so had this solo, but my God, I feel like I gotta say something. Or, uh, Sister Sharon, I know that you wanted me to, you know, be quiet at 15 minutes, and I know I'm already at 17 minutes, but my God, if I don't say this, I'm gonna go crazy. No, 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 no. You gotta know your space, you gotta know your place, you gotta appreciate everybody. And you really have to honor them to an elevated place, I think, in ministry etiquette. Um, and because I think when everything is open and we're all honest that we're trying, it removes all shadows of whispers. And uh, 
considering we usually always all think that everybody's whispering about us, that that comes from a place of because we never are in an open, safe space. We're always just on a platform. We're always at a conference. We're always in front of an important speaker. We're always just doing, 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 doing. The light's always on. We never shut the door and allow space to figure this out. And I think some of my favorite worship leaders really tackle and spend so much energy and focus and intentionality in learning the the closed door spaces where we can do that with ministry and and I think ministry etiquette is the same way I think um, I don't think you ministry etiquette necessarily means you walk around and you're like oh hello blessed oh yes so oh, oh how are you oh that's wonderful how are your thirteen kids doing and I know all your thirteen kids by name and and how's your second cousin doing I heard you know he got a promotion at the bank I don't think that's what ministry etiquette is I think what ministry etiquette at its core is is that everybody just appreciates everybody and you know your place and you're confident enough it that you give people space to be in their place. You know what I'm saying? So if somebody else has a solo, even though you may feel like you do that solo better, you have to give them space to find their place. So you have to give them space, even though you may, quote unquote, be more anointed and you may know more how pastor likes it sung and, and all these things. We have to allow space to other people for them to find their place in it. Because I think that's what real ministry etiquette is. Because I think ministry etiquette also... Uh, is as you know kind of a subconscious understood acknowledgement that everybody matters and and genuinely not just being like oh i'm on stage i have 35 solos and at the end of my 35 solos that's what i just want to say to the parking people can we just do a quick hand of a, you know just a quick hand quick moment of applause because y'all just work so hard okay back to my 36th solo i think i don't think that really is is doing it i think it's an i think it has to be an open conversation i think um i think far too often when we have creative meetings we don't involve people that don't do the stage creations uh you know i think far too often when we do volunteer things it's kind of like the off scouring meeting that happens i think a lot of it's the same thing we're thinking that prayer meetings are all the grandmas well, volunteers are just kind of all the people that hang out in the kitchen. I think we got to remove all of those things. Uh, and that takes intentionality. That doesn't happen because we say it. It doesn't happen because we make a Vision Sunday, you know, slide about it. It doesn't, you know, it doesn't even happen because we preach about it. It happens when we intentionally go, what are three ways, for example, that I can include three people? Three ways that I can include three people at the next rehearsal, at the next service, at the next conference that I have not done before. And how can I build off of that? Um, and then even including in conversations, you know, in meetings. I think, uh, you know, most of us, if we have ever had anything to do with church life, we hate meetings because we've, we all probably agree that they're pointless for the most part. Uh, and I think uh, maybe you take, you know, the third meeting of every month, you know, let's say you have a staff meeting every week, you took the third staff meeting of every month and you figured out how can we do this? I think it just does something uh, to really appreciate everybody. So everybody has that space to be honest. And then through that honesty, we find a place where we appreciate more than we ever have before. Does that make sense? Um, Cause I think a lot of times we're so good and so focused on serving other people well, like if we bring in a guest, we get them the best car, we give them the best food, we give them the best hotel room, we tell them how much we love them, we tell them how much his last sermon blessed our life, we do all this, stuff. but we don't usually serve ourselves and our teams well. And I think that's there's a shift in that available to us. And I think if we take advantage of it, it'd be awesome. So ministry etiquette, 
know your space, know your place. Uh, we'll probably talk a little bit more about this in the future, but I want to encourage you at this moment, at this juncture with this podcast, to really appreciate those around you. Serve yourself just as well, if not better, than you would serve the guests that come in. We will be better for it. We will see you next time. And remember to play nice in the sand. Here it comes again, lunch. Will it be the same old, same old? Or are you ready to take a vacation from the ordinary with the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub at Firehouse Subs? Freshly sliced smoked turkey breast, craveably sweet mustard sauce, and a hint of Caribbean seasoning. Just $5.55 for a medium. Save time. Order the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub on the Firehouse Subs app. Firehouse Subs. Enjoy more subs. Save more lives. Participating locations, limited time only, plus tax. Prices may vary for delivery. Here it comes again, lunch. Will it be the same old, same old? Or are you ready to take a vacation from the ordinary with the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub at Firehouse Subs? Freshly sliced smoked turkey breast, craveably sweet mustard sauce, and a hint of Caribbean seasoning. Just $5.55 for a medium. Save time. Order the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub on the Firehouse Subs app. Firehouse Subs. Enjoy more subs. Save more lives. Participating locations, limited time only, plus tax. Prices may vary for delivery.